Let's step back now that we have walked all the way through Ephesians 1 and sum up what we've seen. Now, the way I do this that helps me most is try to build um, blocks of reality that he has revealed from the most basic down here to the most ultimate goal up here. So here's my suggestion for how it all fits together. At the bottom, you can't get any more basic than the good pleasure of God's will. He mentions that three times. 5, verse 5, verse 9, and verse 11. That deepest of all reality, not our will but God's, not our good pleasure but His, gives rise to He chose us. Verse 4. Then He predestined us. Verse 5 and 11. Then he redeemed us. Purchasing forgiveness. Verse 7. Then he sealed us with the Holy Spirit through faith. Verse 13. Then he gave us an inheritance. He redeemed the possession, or he will. Verse 11 and verse 14. And all of it is to the praise of his glory. Verse 6, verse 12, verse 14. And all of that is according to the riches, riches of his grace. And all of it is in Christ or through Christ. Nine times, he says in verses 3 through 14, which is what this is, in Christ and all of it from the riches of his grace, which is why he can add the glory of his grace there in verse 6. Then in verses 15 to 23, He prays, or he tells us what he prays. And what he prays is that we would 
know this. That's the way it fits together. This is a prayer or an expression of how he prays that all of this would not just be doctrine, but would be known. And not known the way the devil knows it, and he does know it, but known with the knowledge that you get through the eyes of the heart. With the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. The eyes of the heart have to be enlightened for this knowledge to happen. The heart is the organ or the faculty or the dimension of our inner being that not only can know something as true, but know it as precious, valuable, sweet, desirable. So he wants us to know these things as our treasure not just as our theology. And when he is finished praying for the knowledge of this call and this um, inheritance and this power, he soars into an illustration of this power that assures us of two things. The omnipotent power that it takes to convert us. We're going to see that in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. The very power that he's unpacking here, as Christ is raised from the dead and put it at the Father's right hand, is power that it will take to bring us from death to life. But where he ends is that this power not only converts us, it catapults us into universal rule. We share the rule of Christ. We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. And when this finally happens, and all of history is complete, and the redeemed are installed with Jesus on the throne of God, not becoming God, we are not God, we will never be God, but we will share in the rule of God and the judgment of God. When that comes to pass, God will get the glory and we will be full of praise, which means, given the nature of praise, we will be happy forever in the glory of God and God will be glorified forever in the way we are happy in him. It's an amazing chapter, an amazing salvation. So, Father, we close with prayer. Grant us to know this. Grant that the eyes of our heart would be illumined so that we can know the value of this, the truth of this, the beauty of this, the majesty of this, the immeasurable greatness of this, the riches of this. 
and so live in it with great freedom, great peace, great courage, great humility, and great love. In Jesus' name, amen.